Hi, everybody. It's Pastor Andy again. And uh, today I'm going to be continuing uh, the uh, series Money Matters. This is the fourth installment of uh, this particular series. And uh, today I'm going to be talking about alms to the poor. And uh, once again, as uh, we're still kind of getting up to speed with some new equipment at the church that has... Um, prevented a, a live recording, and this is the third week in, in the row that I'm doing this in my little home studio, but, um, you know, I don't mind doing this because I'm just so excited about this topic. Uh, it's okay for me to come in and do this this additional teaching, if you will, uh, for the recording, because I'm just so excited about this topic, because this is one of the things that it's absolutely changed my life. So uh, I want to... Um, if you're not driving and you wish to, open up to uh, our master text at 1 Timothy 6, uh, verses 17 through 19. That's what we're going to be reading. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and just jump right into this. So 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 17 through 19 says this, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they can take hold of the life that is truly life. So today, we're going to be talking about alms to the poor. Um, last week, we talked about tithing, and you know, tithing isn't the only kind of giving that God requires. So today, again, we're going to be talking about yet another form of giving that God requires, alms to the poor. Now, just in case you're thinking to yourself, what, more giving over and above the tithe? <laughs> well, just remember that this is a good news message, folks, not bad news. See, remember that God wants to bless you, but we have to be willing to do things His way, and His way is generosity. Generosity sets you up for more of the blessing and favor of God. Now, regarding the master text that we just read, uh, remember, it said, command those who are rich in this present world, et cetera, et cetera. So you might say to that, well, Pastor Andy, this message doesn't apply to me because it's talking to the rich and I'm not rich. Well, allow me to provide a different perspective for you along those lines. Now, uh, there's a, a website uh, called How Rich Am I? And you can go to that website and type in your uh, annual earnings and then how many people live in your household, and it will calculate that up against the earnings of pretty much the rest of the world and, and then give you um, a little bit of an idea of where you stand as one of the world's richest people. So I'm just going to throw some statistics at you along those lines. So in, in 2022, the average annual income of Americans is $63,214. That's individual, not household. So this year, 2022, the average annual individual income of Americans is $63,214. So check it out. That income would place a person in the top 0.28% of the world's richest people. Are you feeling a little richer right now? Only about 17 million people on the planet of 7 billion have larger incomes than $63,000 a year. I'm going to say that again. Only 17, only about 17 million people on a planet of 7.5 billion people have larger incomes than that. That means that there are 6,983,000,000 people on the planet that earn less than $63,000 per year. 
Once again, are you feeling a little bit richer right now? Now, that annual salary of $63,000 breaks down into roughly $5,267 per month. And that matches, that monthly amount matches the monthly combined salaries of 232 doctors in Pakistan. And it would take the average laborer in Indonesia 69 years to make the same annual amount, the same annual amount. Isn't that amazing? There's so much disparity in the world regarding how much money people make and the provisions that we have. We take so much for granted in the United States because we don't see the other side. We don't see places in Indonesia and Pakistan and how other people live compared to the way that we live. So we take so much for granted. Now, Proverbs 28, 27 is a between the eyes kind of a, a verse. And I want to read this to you really quick. It says this, those who give to the poor will lack nothing. Wonderful promise, right? But then the backside of that verse says this, but those who close their eyes to them receive many curses. Those who give to the poor will lack nothing, but those who close their eyes to them receive many curses. Well, this text provides a wonderful promise, that, and that promise is that if you love the poor enough to ease their burden, God will in turn bless you in response. But to turn away from the poor is to displease God and to open ourselves up to many curses. You know, there's an Italian proverb that says, no one ever became poor through giving alms or giving to the poor. And, you know, I know there's many scam artists out there these days who play on people's compassion, uh, but that aside, there are truly needy people out there that we should be willing to help out. And that's why Donna and I like to give to several ministries that minister to the poor, and and I'll uh, list some of those for you at the end of the teaching. So wherever you decide to give over and above your tithe, make sure you're prioritizing giving to the poor because this is very important to God. It's the difference between being blessed or being cursed. God takes this very seriously. So let me continue offering some perspective here regarding three things. Number one, I want to talk about, I want to continue talking about the level of our blessings that we enjoy here in the United States. Secondly, I want to talk about the selfish condition of the human heart. And thirdly, our obligation to care for the poor. So, Regarding our selfishness then, you know, because of the influence of sin, every one of us were born selfish. And if you don't believe that, all you have to do is look at the behavior of children. You know, you don't have to teach kids how to be selfish, right? Have you ever noticed that? You don't have to teach kids how to be selfish. They already know how to do that. Just intuitively, it's it's part of their, their DNA, I guess you could say, because of the influence of sin. You don't have to teach kids how to manipulate to get what they want. They already somehow know how to do that too. Man, a a little child can maneuver and manipulate to get what they want. They can, they know how to lie. It's just, it's inborn in us because of the influence of sin. So you don't have to teach kids to do any of that. But what do you have to teach kids? How to share, how to think of others, and how to be content with what they have. These things have to be taught because they don't come naturally to us because we're born selfish. In fact, 1 Timothy 6, verses 6 through 8, gives us some instruction along these lines because, again, this type of instruction and wisdom doesn't come naturally for us. So the Apostle Paul, in this passage, writing to the the young pastor Timothy, says this, godliness with contentment is great gain. 
for we brought nothing into the world so we cannot carry anything out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with these. See, that goes against human nature, doesn't it? Because the Bible says that the eyes of man are never satisfied. We see something that we want and we get it and we're happy with it for a little while, but then we want something more and we want something better and newer and what have you. The eyes of man are never satisfied. So we have to be instructed along these lines to be content with what we have. We talked about that extensively in one of the previous teachings. And I also want to remind you that if we have uh, been given much, God will require much of us in return. And I'm referring there to Luke 12, 48, again, the words of Jesus, when he said, to whom much is given, much will be required. And to whom much more is given, all the more will be demanded. Now, I have found that most people want to be rich so that they can enjoy more goodies and more recreation and more free time. But what if God has given you and me much so that we can be a blessing to others? You know, folks, at least half of our troubles in this life are simply self-inflicted attitudes of the heart because we aren't thankful for what we have. And during the season of Thanksgiving, I think it's appropriate to reflect on our blessings compared to other people in the world. That's why I gave you the statistics that I gave you regarding your level of income compared to other people in the world. Now, when I did this teaching live, I, I showed several pictures of, of children in other parts of the world, you know, Brazil and, and Rio de Janeiro and, and China and what have you, uh, children in other parts of the world and a peek into their bedrooms. And it's just amazing the squalor that people live in, and that's their homes, you know, dirt floors, uh, mud huts with all kinds of gaps that let in, you know, the weather and, and, and bugs and what have you. And that's how they live all the time. And it's just amazing the conditions that people live in compared to the luxury that we live in here in America. And again, because our eyes never see that or ever experience it, we take our blessings for granted. But the blessings that we do enjoy, we need to be willing to share some of that with those who are less fortunate. And there's some wonderful promises in the Bible for those that do that. You know, Psalm 41 verses one through three says, blessed is the one who cares for the poor. The Lord will deliver him in the day of trouble. The Lord will protect and preserve him. He will bless him in the land and refuse to surrender him to the will of his foes. The Lord will sustain him on his bed of illness and restore him from his bed of sickness. Praise God. What a wonderful promise. Well, that's not all. There's other promises along these lines. I had to scale this back. There's a lot of promises along these lines, but let me give you a couple of more here. Proverbs 14, 21, he who despises his neighbor sins, but blessed is he who is kind to the needy. Proverbs 19, 17, he who is kind to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will reward him for what he has done. The Lord will reward you when you're kind to the poor. Can you trust those promises? If you turn loose of some of your money, do you think that you'll never see it again, or do you think that God will take care of you? That's why these promises are there, so that we can put our faith in them. God will indeed take care of those who are kind to the poor. Now, there was a book by Charles Colson that came out in 1999 called How Now Shall We Live? And I think that that's a, a really important question that Charles Colson poses in the title of that book. Uh, now that we're Christians, now that we've committed ourselves to following Christ, what is that supposed to look like? How now shall we live? Well, 
part of what that's supposed to look like is now rather than living only for ourselves, we now turn our focus outward to look to the interests and needs of others and help to meet those needs. That's why it says in Philippians 2, verses 3 and 4, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. That's our mandate. And then there's a, another verse in Proverbs, uh, Proverbs 21, 13, that says, whoever shuts their ears to the cry of the poor will also cry out and not be answered. Man, that's a smack between the eyes. That's a punch in the gut, isn't it? Whoever shuts their ears to the cry of the poor will also cry out and not be answered. Mm. Wow. You know, when I did this teaching live, uh, at this point, I showed um, some contrasting pictures. I showed a picture of a of a woman reclining on her couch uh, with a remote in her hand, flipping channels with a great big bowl of popcorn on the coffee table in front of her that she was propping her feet up on. And this woman happened to be of some size. <laughs> and uh, I showed that right next to a picture of a, a little boy in an African nation who was a emaciated and completely naked and um, bending over scrounging for bugs or something in the dirt, something to eat, something to sustain him while flies just were all over his emaciated body. And I apologize to the congregation in advance prior to showing that picture because it was so graphic. But I also said to the congregation that we really need to lay our eyes on this sort of thing from time to time in order to give us the perspective that we need. You know, it's not fun to look at things like that, but we never have the opportunity to see those things too much in this country. But we need to be aware of the suffering of others so that the compassion of Christ can rise up in our hearts and compel us to do something about it. See, so often we want God to give to us just to pad our own standard of living even more than it already is, folks. Yet we turn our hearts away from those who need our help the most. Well, I want to share something with you that God said to me when I was preparing to teach on the same thing many years ago. He said this, if my people were half as interested in the poor as they are their own wardrobes, they might actually discover what it means to prosper in me. And when I say God spoke to me, I don't mean that I heard an audible voice. I didn't hear a clap of thunder. It was just a a knowing in my heart, I just, I can't quite explain maybe what I mean. It's just when you, those of you that you communicate with the Lord, you know what I mean. It's just an inner knowing and you know this is God. And that's what he said to me. If my people were half as interested in the poor as they are their own wardrobes, they might actually discover what it means to prosper in me. See, God wants us to get kingdom minded about our money using it for kingdom purposes so that we can fund gospel works and feed the poor. As we do that, we begin tapping into greater realms of God's blessings. You see, as I've already pointed out, God does desire to bless his people, that's true, but he wants our hearts to be in the right place first. He wants to bless us more so that we can be more of a blessing. But if we just spend all of our money on ourselves continually, it shows that God can't trust us with more of his kingdom. Now, I'm not really one to use poetry a lot in my sermons. You know, there's a, a funny little saying that, you know, most pastor sermons are three points in a poem, uh, and I'm not really one to use poetry a lot. I have in the past with 
song lyrics and such. And I'm going to give you some song lyrics today. I, again, I, I don't do this a lot, but once in a while, I'll pull out a song and share some lyrics with you just because I think there is something about poetry that drives home the point in a way that's very different than just dialoguing on it. Uh, so I'm going to read the, the the lyrics to a song by Matthew West called My Own Little World. And he addresses this issue that we're talking about. So uh, let's, let's read this. It says this, in my own little world, it hardly ever rains. Never gone hungry, always stay safe. I got some money in my pocket, shoes on my feet. In my own little world, it's population me. I try to stay awake through Sunday morning church. I throw a 20 in the plate, but I never give till it hurts. And I turn off the news when I don't like what I see. Yeah, it's easy to do when it's population me. What if there's a bigger picture? What if I'm missing out? What if there's a greater purpose I could be living right now outside my own little world? I stopped at a red light, looked out my window. I saw a cardboard sign that said, help this homeless widow. Just above the sign was the face of a human. I thought to myself, God, what have I been doing? So I rolled down the window and I looked her in the eye. Oh, how many times have I just passed her by? So I gave her some money that I drove on through. In my own little world, now there's population two. God, break my heart for what breaks yours. Give me open hands and open doors. Put your light in my eyes and let me see that my own little world is not about me. So folks, that song just speaks volumes. You know, if we have material possessions, which pretty much everybody listening to this does, then God places an expectation upon us. You know, 1 John 3, 17 says this, if anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? See, some people are asking God to do a miracle in their finances, but they're not willing to make the changes necessary to give God something to work with. Man, I want to say that again. Some people are begging and 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 praying and asking God and believing God to do a miracle in their finances, but they are not willing to make the changes necessary to give God something to work with. And the fact is, ladies and gentlemen, that you do have something to give right now, even if the amount is small and even if you're considered poor by American standards. And that's one of the very first changes that people need to be willing to make if they're believing God to do a, a miracle in their finances. They need to, to be willing to step up and begin giving and sowing into the kingdom. James 2.13 says, judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. i say that again. Judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. If we know the Savior, then folks, the, the, the compassion of the Savior should be filling our hearts and compelling us to reach out to those who are less fortunate than we are. So I'm going to list here um, some places to give because, you know, I realize here in rural Indiana, we may not know too many desperately needy people, but we can certainly partner with organizations that do minister to such people around the world. So um, here's some places to give for you. For you to consider giving, you know, right here at Bless Life Fellowship is a is good soil because we do minister to the poor, we do give to the poor, we do partner with organizations 
that help people, as well as giving directly to the poor and and uh, reaching out and and uh, administering supplies where there's a need and ministering the gospel of Jesus Christ to people. So this is good ground. But then some other organizations beyond that, Samaritan's Purse. I love Samaritan's Purse, which is a ministry of Franklin Graham, and they dig wells for uh, people that don't have water and and do disaster relief and all kinds of uh, humanitarian work like that. So I love Samaritan's Purse. They, they, they do a good job. Then Compassion International and Food for the Hungry, uh, World Vision. Uh, these are all organizations that uh, provide for the needs of very poor people and poor children in particular all around the world. So uh, Donna and I, we partner with these organizations. We we have three children that we partner with. We have that we we give to monthly. Uh, so we partner with these organizations for the feeding of the hungry. Uh, also, there's Mercy Ships. Donna and I also um, give to that. Mercy Ships is an organization that they send medical help into these very poor nations, and they do operations for free uh, on children that have terrible deformities and and other health issues that require uh, medical attention like that, and they go in there and they do it for free. So they have to be supported financially to be able to do that. So Donna and I support them as well. And then there's an organization that Donna and I also give to called Open Doors, and they minister to uh, persecuted Christians across the world and, and provide Bibles when they don't have any. They provide you know shelter and food and and clothing and other needs that they've been denied because of persecution. So uh, we give to that organization as well. So those are all options for you to give to as well. There's a number of different places where you can give your money to help people that are less fortunate. And certainly if you have people around you in your circle of friends and family and acquaintances that need help, certainly give right there in your own community. And on that note, of course, there probably are those right here in Bartholomew County who are very needy. We don't See them, see them a lot, but they are there. You just have to know where to look. And in keeping with the the message of the famous Charles Dickens novel, A Christmas Carol about Ebenezer Scrooge, that is often retold this time of the year, we need to be willing to share our bounty with the poor. And when we do that, we find that our lives are blessed in ways that we hadn't even anticipated before, maybe, just like the end of the story with Ebenezer Scrooge. Now, I'd like to encourage any of you that have never been on a mission trip to consider taking one at some point in your life. You know, it'll give you a perspective that you never had before. See, when you see the suffering of some people firsthand, up close, it'll change you. And that's what my experience going to Haiti uh, one year, many years ago, did for me. The, the, The poverty that I saw in Haiti was unbelievable. I'd never, ever seen anything like that, especially not up close and personal like that. And the poverty was bad enough in the the city Port-au-Prince, which is where we flew into. Uh, it's bad enough there. But when you go out into the villages that are outside of Port-au-Prince, uh, boy, it gets really bad. And I remember we were on our way out to to uh, build a medical facility and and to build a and do some repairs to a building that they were going to be used for a school and just do some work like that for people out in some of the remote villages outside of Port-au-Prince. And uh, on our way, there was a rest stop that we made, and there was a, a woman that approached the bus, and she looked like a walking skeleton. I mean, it was I, – I couldn't even believe that she was alive in that condition. She just looked like a skeleton with some skin over it, and that that's literally how she looked. It was that bad. She had on this very tattered garment, and she was holding a, a half of a coconut, a, uh, half of a coconut shell hollowed out with a little crusty 
piece of dry bread in it. And she was extending that begging, begging for food, some, some sort of sustenance. And, um, we were told by the, uh, the director of that mission group that we were with to not give anybody in those places, anything, because if you did, we would get mobbed. Well, in looking back on that, that woman has haunted me ever since, because I don't know if she was even alive the next day. Uh, as a matter of fact, um, she pulled back that tattered garment to reveal her breast, a, a deflated breast. And I asked the the mission director, hey, what what's that about? And she said, well, she's communicating because she didn't speak any English. And, and so the director said, well, she's telling you that she doesn't have any milk for her babies. And I'm like, we're okay, so we're not going to give her anything. And so we didn't. We passed by. We we made our rest stop, and then we took off again, and we didn't give her anything. And that woman has haunted me ever since because if I had to do it over again, I would disobey the director and give her give that woman something, something. But we didn't. And the image of her is just riveted on my mind ever since. So a, a trip like that will give you perspective, folks. So if you've never taken a mission trip before to a very impoverished area, I, I want to encourage you to do so. It will make you so thankful for what you have. It'll make you so thankful that your children are provided for the way that they are. It'll make you so thankful for all the provisions that God has lavished upon you. And if you have any heart at all, it will make compassion rise up in your in your heart and compel you to action to help these sorts of people. You know, James 127 says, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. You know, one way the world pollutes us is self-centeredness. That's one of the many ways the world pollutes us. And James is telling us, the religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is to keep oneself from being polluted by the things of the world, like selfishness, and then therefore, in turn, to look after orphans and widows in their distress. That's what God re requires of us. That is religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless. I want to end with a, a quote by Mother Teresa, and she's one of my heroes of the faith simply because she was one of the bravest people that I that I know of because she would go into these remote parts of the world where there's malaria and, and um, all kinds of different contagious diseases. And she would go in there and minister to people and uh, not think a thing of it. If she did think a thing of it, you would never know it by her actions. She would touch people and um, you know, people with horrible disfiguring diseases, leprosy and all kinds of contagious things. She would just go in there and minister to people um, yellow fever and things like like that. And uh, to my knowledge, she never got sick. She died of natural causes at the age of 87. Uh, so she just she, she gave her life to care for underprivileged people. That's what she dedicated her life to. So that's one why she's one of my heroes of the faith. But she said this. She said, at the end of life, we will not be judged by how many diplomas we received, how much money we have made, or how many great things we've done. We will be judged by I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was naked and you clothed me. I was homeless and you took me in. And of course, she's referring to Jesus when he said that on the day of judgment, uh, I will say to those on my left, away from me, you evildoers, 
because I was hungry and you didn't give me anything to eat. Uh, I was naked and you didn't clothe me. I was homeless and you didn't take me in. And they will say, Lord, when did we see you homeless and not take you in? When did we see you naked and didn't clothe you? When did we see you hungry and not feed you? And Jesus will respond, when you did it not to the least of these, you did it not to me. And then those on his right, he will say, uh, well done, good and faithful servants, because I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was naked and you clothed me. I was homeless and you took me in. And they will answer in a similar fashion, Lord, when did we see you hungry and give you something to eat? When were we, When did we see you naked and clothe you? And when did we see you homeless and took you in? And he will say, when you did it to the least of these, you did it to me. So folks, Jesus takes these things very personally, is what I'm trying to say. When you help someone, Jesus is saying, it's like you helped me. And when you, when you refuse to help someone, Jesus takes that very personally because it's like you have turned him away. That's a very sober thing, isn't it? And that's how I want to end this teaching. I'm not going to end this teaching with, uh, you know, rah-rah and fireworks and, you know, excitement because this is a sober thing and it should be. We need to think about these things and think about how we're managing our money and maybe thinking about freeing up a little bit more of it in order to help those that are less fortunate than we are. Well, I look forward to continuing this topic with the, the next, next teaching. Um, I'm ultimately going to be talking about four different levels of giving that we see in the Bible. Uh, so I've, I've covered two now. Uh, I've covered tithing and also alms to the poor. We've got two more. So I look forward to talking about this more with you as this series continues. God bless you. I'll see you all soon. You've been listening to the teaching ministry of Pastor Andy Robbins and Blessed Life Fellowship. For more teaching and ministry resources, go to the church website at www.blessedlifefellowship.org. Thanks for listening, and may God's grace and favor shine on you.